Welcome to the Recession Proof Real Estate Investing Podcast. Join your host, Sam Newell, as he educates you on how to make profitable, low-risk real estate investments that will cash flow through any economy. Hear interviews with the top real estate investors and entrepreneurs in the country to find out what they've learned and implemented since the 2008 recession. With over 10 years in real estate investing, it has become Sam's goal to help others invest for double-digit returns, but to also stay safe and not get caught in the next downturn. Tune in and become recession-proof. All right, Scott, thanks for jumping on the podcast, man. I'm glad to have you. No, thanks for having me. Really, really happy to be here. All right, so this is a, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to talk. This is not a normal podcast episode. For those of you listening, just introduce Scott. But um, the reason I wanted to have him on is he owns a business. He's an entrepreneur, and it's basically one of my dream jobs. I mean, if if you know, I don't know if I could have chosen my career 20, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, it would have been to uh, start a, a fly guiding service. And um, I've actually been with, with uh, Scott's company seven or eight, maybe nine times on guided trips on the green river. So tell us a little bit about your business, what you guys do. And um, yeah, let's just go from there. Yeah. So yeah, as you mentioned, I own a fly fishing guide service on the green river below flaming gorge dam we're located in the northeast corner of utah about 10 miles from wyoming and 20 miles from colorado kind of middle of nowhere you know the town has about 200 people so it's uh it's not just a place people happen by and book a fishing trip people come here you know for the fishing yep. and you know we get clients from all over the world most of our clients come from denver salt lake area but definitely get them from all over um, I've been a fly fishing guide since, uh, 1999 and, you know, started out as a shuttle driver actually. So I moved mm -hmm. vehicles for the guides back and forth for their fishing trips. And then basically dropped out of college and, and instead of paying tuition, I, I bought a drift boat and started guiding in 99. Nice. And then wait a second, yeah, what drift boat did you, did you buy? Uh, it was, it was awesome. It was old, you know, it was like a 91 slide, right? So awesome. old school boat that another guide on the river used for years. And then, yeah, it um, was kind of just in the right place at the right time. Um, a bunch of fly shops went out of business around 2000, 2002, you know, Cabela's and the internet and everything were getting bigger. Yeah. Um, it was really hurting, hurting a lot of little fly shops. And so Spinnerfall guide, guide service also used to be Spinnerfall fly shop. Okay. And their fly shop went bankrupt in 2002 or actually 2001 and they ran the guide service for another year. And then the owner was, you know, he was about 70 years old and he was, you know, he wasn't looking to rebuild his business or anything. So he, he made myself and his nephew, Brett, um, who was also a guide with us and offered to buy it, you know, and we, we couldn't come up with the money by ourselves. So we brought in a third partner mm -hmm. and then basically since then I bought those two guys out. Okay. And Cool. So and was that with one year or that was with two years, two years on the river as a guide, you bought your guide shop? No, about, let's see. Uh, so I bought it at the end of 2002. So, okay. Yeah, I had about, I've been with the company about four years. So, okay. Awesome. Awesome. So, so what, what I want to talk about is how amazing the green rivers. It's not like you just bought a, a guide business on a river. I mean, this is the green river below Flaming Gorge. 
when you go and fish this river, it's mesmerizing. I mean, it is a gorgeous, beautiful float. First of all, people float it just to see the scenery. And then we have this amazing, amazing trout population. So if you're a fly fisher, fly fisherman, it's just a, a dream come true to go fish there. I remember my first time ever, my buddy was asking me, I was actually there this weekend. He said, Hey, when, when's the first time you fished it? And, and I had just fished the Provo river and that's the only river I'd really fished. I'd been up to Henry's Lake in in Idaho once, but then we came to the green river and I basically stopped fishing the Provo river and I started fishing the green river anytime I possibly could. Uh, on foot i had bought a boat with with one of your guides so tell us about a little bit why the the green river below flaming gorge is so amazing why people love it so much and and why you've stayed there for 20 years yeah so the you know the green is it's kind of considered in the top three in the in the western united states river trout fishing rivers if you ask me i think it's definitely the best dry fly river in the country our, our river basically flaming gorge dam has pen stocks in it not not very many dams in the world have this feature, so it, it allows them to selectively withdraw the water from di different depths, so that can adjust the temperature. Mm -hmm. So ideal trout temperature is 55 degrees, and the dam basically allows the water to be 55 degrees all summer long. So it's it's basically perfect conditions for trout. The river mm -hmm. the river boasts one of the highest trout populations in the world. Our numbers are down a little bit right now. Um, I'd say they're probably 10 to 12,000 fish a mile. So it's still an insane amount of fish out there. Yeah. <laughs> um, Down from about 15 size. to 16? Uh-huh. Maybe. It, it, I think the highest estimates were 18 to 20 that we ever had. Wow. Um, they, they used to stock too many trout, though. Yeah. So they used to stock rainbows, and they would put about 25,000 in a year. And it was just too many. There was just, you know, the fish, there were lots of fish, but they were all a little bit smaller. Right. So the average average size back then was probably about 14 inches and now the average size is 16 inches so a lot quite a bit bigger fish yeah and they just, they definitely seem to fight harder now because there's less pressure and they're they're more angry when when they get caught so <laughs> yep um the you know the, the river is situated in a, a canyon for the first seven miles called the a section um, the canyon walls are you know towering about 500 feet tall so red rock canyons, and then you know big ponderosa pine trees uh, dotted throughout. Um, the river's crystal clear. Yep. Um, there's spots that are you know up to 35 feet deep out there. So it's a, it's a pretty big big river. Mm -hmm. um, flows you know average flows are about 1,500 cubic feet per second. So it's it's moving quite a bit of water through there. Yeah. And it's yeah, it's just it's crystal clear water. You can see fish coming up to eat your fly and. <laughs> it's it's just an amazing place to to see trout behavior. Yeah, it's gorgeous. And and you know what's really fun is when I've gone with your guides, you know, we'll be frustrated, we'll go, you know, 30 minutes a fish or something and and they'll say, "Okay, just, you know, if you're getting frustrated, just look up. Just look up." So you look up and you see these towering gorgeous red rock you know, pine tree covered, covered rock walls, you're in this gorgeous canyon, or you can look down and see the fish and just relax. You see eagles, moose. I mean, the wildlife is, is epic. The scenery is epic. And it's, it's so fun because I fish the Wyoming green and it's the absolute opposite. You go to the Wyoming green 
to catch fish, definitely not for the scenery because it's sagebrush and, and ugly. So that's one thing that, you know, like I was just talking to my dad he said, man, we got to get back to the green in Utah. He's like, I don't even care if we catch fish. I just want to float that river again. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. And so you're right. It's, it's amazing fishing destination, but I mean, people love just to come to see the scenery. And so it's, it's, it's an amazing river, but as far as the fish count, I mean, if you're a fly fisherman and you want to catch a lot of fish, I mean, there's no guarantees, but with, even with 12,000 fish a mile, that puts us above I mean, most rivers in the Western U.S. I know my dad used to live by the Yakima River, and they have four to six hundred fish per mile, and it's almost the same size river. So, I mean, it's it's an amazing place to fish. But but what got you into to fly fishing in the, in the first place? I kind of want to backtrack a little bit. And how did you get the job of of shuttling drift boats and and trailers back and forth? Yeah, so I, I grew up in Salt Lake City, and my family has an old cabin. It's about 100 years old. It's up about an hour outside of Salt Lake on the Smith and Morehouse Creek, which is a cool. tributary to the Weaver River. Mm-hmm. So I, I grew up fishing that as a kid. It was always, since I was three years old, fishing has been my favorite thing to do. I could sit there for hours and just watch my Velveeta cheese out in the water and was happy <laughs> as could be. Um, and so I got to where I was about 12 and um, fishing the river was, with spinners and stuff. And it was almost too easy for me. It was just because I've been doing it my whole life, and that's what I did all summer long, basically, and it got almost too easy, and I, I had seen my grandfather and some, you know, older kids that I looked up to fly fishing, and so I basically, you know, asked my grandpa to give me some lessons, and I was actually working for my cousin making fishing jigs, and, you know, basically saved up about 100 bucks to, to buy my first real crappy fly rod. <laughs> it was like a a seven weight fly rod that on this little tiny creek, you know, I had no idea what I was buying or anything. (laughs) Um, But it it definitely worked. I could cast it far and, um, but definitely was humbled because I couldn't, you know, a lot harder to catch fish. And I basically only threw dry flies. So flies floating on the surface, like basic old school flies, like a Royal wool for parachute grasshoppers. And for the first couple of years, I didn't even know that nymph fishing existed. Right. Um, nymph, nymph fishing is where you're fishing subsurface, and that's you know 90% of what a trout eats is underwater. So mm-hmm. I was handicapping myself, you know, from the beginning. Um, and then, yeah, yeah I got. It's exciting you know, when when you get a fish to eat a dry fly. You see it come up, its mouth close around that dry fly. It it is so much fun. I mean, it's nymph fishing is fun. You catch a lot of fish, and I love it. But dry fly fishing is really hard to beat. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's it's the purest form of the sport for sure. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, and so I, you know, when I was in high school, I was somewhere to you. I fished the Provo River a ton. I'd, I'd slept school and go fish the Provo, and <laughs> I actually watched the the owner of Spinnerfall. Um, he was a guide, and I'd I'd see where he was fishing with his clients, and then you know the next time I went, I tried to get that spot, and I wouldn't leave it until I caught five fish out of it. And you know, because I knew it was a good spot, I had to had to work right. it hard and that's kind of how I, I learned how to mint basically just copying what they were doing and then yeah when I was 18 I I actually tried to get a job with Spinner Fall and they, they didn't hire me to be a shuttle driver they had a bad experience with a young kid and didn't want to deal with it again either, so okay. <laughs> they didn't hire me and so okay. the next year I, I basically applied again through somebody different in the company and got the job nice. <laughs> and so it's kind of funny to 
to not get a job from a company and then eventually end up owning it. So Yeah. Awesome. So so you knew you wanted to be up there and the reason you applied for the job was that because you wanted to be up there and fish in your spare time? I mean, you just wanted to work your way in as a guide. What was your thought process? Yeah, I mean I had I had a, a friend from high school that was a, a guide for Spinner Fall. So I I went out with him. It was the first time I floated the river was with him and you know, it was winter, it was cold, it was tough fishing. We were throwing streamers and we moved some 20 plus inch fish, you know, chasing our flies. And I was just blown away that there were actually trout that big. I'd never seen one that big at the time. So that really blew my mind. And I, I knew I really wanted to, to be up, up on the green river. Awesome. You know, that that's exactly what happened to me. I went with Jordan Gillespie for the first time. I, it must've been, I think it was a streamer trip in October, kind of the same thing. Or maybe it might have been an April trip. I think we waited till April to do my first first guide trip. Anyways, I started. I caught a couple fish. I'm like, oh, this is amazing. This is fun. Then all of a sudden, I caught a 20 inch 20 inch uh, trout that was thicker and bigger and fatter and more beautiful than any fish I'd ever caught. And then I caught fish like that the whole rest of the day, and I was just blown away. I said, you know what, this this place is amazing. It's just it's interesting how much healthier the fish are because you were talking about the controlled flows. They have this steady diet, the steady temperatures, the fish just are healthier. You, you go to uh, the Provo river and they're like these skinny little snakes sometimes. <laughs> and uh, you know, the green river just has healthy, beautiful fish. So I'm with you there. I, I had the same experience. I, I just love to be on the green river. Yeah, so, it's, it's pretty amazing. It is. It is. So tell us about a guide trip. I mean, if, if I want to spend um, a few hundred bucks, I can get my buddy, we can go split a guide trip, jump in a boat with you or one of your guides. And I mean, here's the thing. I always want to tell people your expectation should not be to catch a million fish. It should be to learn from this guide, catch some fish and have a really, really good time fishing and not have to tie a fly the whole day. because that's what you're paying the guide to do. And you could have an absolutely epic day. So I've had days with like Targi, he and I went high water. It was July 1st and it was still high water. I think I caught like five fish all day. Still had an amazing time. But then I went with Jordan one day, uh, a couple years before that when the cicadas were going crazy and me and my buddy each hooked about 50 fish, which sounds insane, but you know how it can get with cicadas. It, it, was, it was ludicrous, the amount of fish we were hooking. It was literally like every three casts we'd hook up, uh, wouldn't land all those, you know? Um, but so I, and I've had days with 15, 20, 30 fish. So tell us a little bit about guiding with one of your guides and what to expect and, and, um, just any advice for someone wanting to go with a guide for the first time. Yeah, you made it definitely a great point. The, I think the worst thing you can do is come in with high expectations, you know, it, mm-hmm. that just kind of set, set you up for failure, basically, you know, it's, it's fishing. You're, you're catching wild animals so you know, if, if they're not happy just because you flew in from california and everything <laughs> else you have your eight hour window to fish the, the fish could care less some days they just don't cooperate out there well and then hold the on, next let, me, day might be, let me cut you yeah, off really quick the worst yep. thing that's ever happened to one of my friends fishing is my buddy went with me on that cicada day that was his first time fishing the green river or ever really fishing a river and he hooked like 30, 40 fish, like landed about 30 fish. 
And then he went with the guide again and was super pissed off because he only landed like 10 or 15 fish. I'm like, dude, that's actually still a really a good day. The, the cicada day, you should just erase from your memory because you'll never have another day like that ever again. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we use hard-sided drift boats that we guide out of. So it's about a 16-foot long boat. Every guide has their own. Some are aluminum, some are fiberglass, some are wood. So the guide's in the middle with, you know, about 10-foot oars. And then you have one angler up in front and one in the back. Um, and then we basically, you know, the guide's rowing all day. So you cover at least seven miles of river, depending on the, the section that you do. And, you know, when, when we find a good spot, the guide will just be able to usually row back up and go through it again and make multiple passes over, over those pods of fish that are grouped up and happy. Um, so we'll, we'll float, you know, about three miles or so, and then pull over, cook you lunch. When it's cool, cool weather, we'll cook burgers or chicken, broths, that kind of stuff. And then in the summer, when it's, when it's hot, we typically just do like wraps or sandwiches. And then we'll jump back in the boat and, and float you down the, the river further. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of times where you can use the boat um, similar to you would as, as a wade fisherman, where you sneak back up on fish and so you're seeing a fish feeding and you're, you're basically hunting that fish, trying to get him to, to eat your fly. And so we, we definitely like to do that kind of fishing a lot and especially, you know, dry fly stuff. But, you know, as we talked about earlier, the nymph fishing is mostly what the fish eat. So we're definitely, you know, not too proud to do that either. <laughs> right. And so he, here's one thing that was amazing. I went in November on a, I don't know if it was November or October. All I remember was it was probably late October streamer trip with with jordan you know the the browns get pretty dang aggressive to to hit streamers in october because they're getting ready to spawn and so i wanted to experience that and all i really remember about that trip is we pulled over we did a b-section float and he busted out his grill and he cooked us meatball sandwiches and we ate i don't remember the name of the spot but we ate in the most amazing it was like a little blue lagoon with these high red rock walls and my buddy that was with me, he was like, dude, this is the most amazing river I've ever been on. And I'm eating a hot meatball sandwich laying in the shade of this tree or laying in the side. I don't know. It was just, it was just epic. Yeah. It's, it's pretty awesome out there. Yeah. I, I definitely have clients that, that that's one of their favorite parts is the lunch, you know, it's, yeah. I think it's not that we're excellent cooks. I think it's just the, the atmosphere makes it that much better. It just, you know, similar to when you're camping or something, how good the food tastes. Yeah. And, you know, I went with another guide on the San Juan and, and we stopped for lunch. He's like, all right, what'd you guys bring for lunch? And I'm like, what? You guys don't include lunch? He's like, oh no, that's not part of the trip. And I was like, okay, wow. Like, so you guys have spoiled. I, and that's happened on the Yakima river on a couple other rivers. I've been with guides, no lunch provided. And obviously not as scenic so I'm, I'm very partial to the green river in utah but the one thing i like is is your guides they tie on your fly they tell you where to fish they can work with brand new people that are beginners my buddy that had i've taken multiple friends that are brand new to fly fishing my dad and jordan or targi or whoever the guide was um, did a great job with them and at the same time kind of catering to my needs which is i'm a little bit more advanced I just need you to tell me what fly to use, where to put it, and and I'm gonna catch some fish. So, I've always had a really good time with you guys. You guys, uh, I know coronavirus kind of threw you guys through a loop, but you're back and open for for uh, business, right? 
Yeah, so we, we opened back up on Sunday, and it's been pretty amazing out there. It's, you know, definitely a little different. You, you know, I'm not shaking my client's hands. I'm giving them the elbow and stuff. So it's, you know, definitely a little different. Yeah. But out on the, out on the river, it's, it's amazing right now. There's there's hardly anybody out there. And so it's mm-hmm. almost like you have your own private river. You know, you were out there over the weekend. It was a bit busy then, but the last two days, it's been, I've seen like three other boats all day. It's, it's been oh, pretty wow. insane out there. That's awesome. Well, and people always ask me, well, what, when should I go fish? What's the best time to go fish? And honestly, I have days and weekends in the year booked in my mind where if I can get away, I'm going to get to the Green River and fish. But I think the answer is you can catch fish year round and it's a gorgeous river year round. If you can go in October, go in October, you can go in April. April's amazing. My absolute favorite time. And this was actually advice I got from you was July 5th because Uh everyone's been up drinking, partying on July 4th. They stay up late to watch fireworks. It's the most amazing time for dry fly fishing. It's, it's absolutely crazy. And there's a lot less people on the river. So I did that one year with, with your guide service. I think it was with Brian. Just had an amazing day. There's like two other boats on the river. But I think the short answer is go whenever you can. Book with Scott or his guides. It's, it's amazing year round. I've been multiple times, different months, and it's always been really, really fun. Any other advice or fly fishing topics you want to cover real quick? Um, yeah, you, you touched on beginners. You know, we I I love guiding beginners. They they're a clean slate. They don't have any bad habits. So mm-hmm. definitely, you're very happy to take beginners out there. It's being in a drip boat. It's an amazing place to teach somebody because um, you don't have trees behind you. You don't have all this right. other stuff to worry about. You know, and then your guide can untangle your knots when you tie them and actually teach you. You know, have having a professional teach you how to do it. So it's definitely the the best way to learn if you ask me yeah um, absolutely i i have a funny story so i sent my i sell real estate and i sent my broker and his wife up to fish with jordan one year and uh so they're they're floating down the river she's casting and she throws the rod in <laughs> i mean she, she had never touched a fly rod ever luckily she held on to the line so 200 yards later they uh the line finally stopped she held on the line the whole time and they were able to retrieve the rod, but um, then they had a giant mess on their hands, but uh, luckily they didn't lose it. I've never broken a guide's rod and I've never lost a guide's rod, but um, one of my friends did come close to losing one Jordan. So that was kind of a funny story there, but they were both brand new and they both caught a ton of fish and they had a great time. And I think probably we sent, I probably sent five or six brand new fishermen with your service and they've all had a great time and they've all caught fish, which is great. Cause I'll take people fishing sometimes that are brand new and I'm not a guide. So I, I struggle to get these newbies on a fish. And so I'm like, you know what, just let's go with a guide and, and learn there. Cause it's, it's a way better environment, but well, how do people get in contact with you? How do they book a service? How do they find out pricing? Um, what's, what's the best way there? Yeah. So my website, spinnerfall.com. A spinnerfall is basically is a, is the last stage of a mayfly's life. So that's where the name of the company comes from. Mm-hmm. But yeah, spinnerfall.com. Um, you can book online directly through our website um, or you can call as well. Um, our number is 877-811-FISH. And yeah, that's an easy way to book it as well. I'm happy to answer questions about you know different times of the year, what to expect, what to bring, all that kind of stuff. I learned always bring a coat. Oh, yeah. yeah. It could rain any day, even though we're 
July 5th, it poured on us and I got freezing cold. Luckily, Brian had a trash bag or something. I think he gave me his coat and he wore a trash bag. I was like, oh, it's July 5th. It's not going to be cold, but it was pretty darn cold. It poured for about three hours. So I always bring a coat and sunglasses, but cool. Well, well, I'll put the links up here. Um, I hope you get some bookings. I know I've got some big outdoors people that listen to the, my podcast or getting ready to listen as it launches. And, and I've been in contact with them. So I'll share this with, with uh, those guys. And um, you also, you're all, you're all over Facebook. I mean, you've got plenty of ways to get in contact with you. Yeah. Instagram, Facebook. So, yep. Awesome. Okay. Well, um, yeah, have a great season and um, hopefully uh, your bookings go up as coronavirus dies down and, and um, maybe I'll see you up there this weekend. All right. Hey, really appreciate you having me on. Awesome. <laughs>